Hey guys, welcome to our Sermon of the Week podcast. Today's message is from our guest speaker. If you're interested in partnering with us, check out our app or our website for ways to give. Good morning, everybody. I just want you to know something. Something that's pretty basic. See, this, this right here is input. This is output. This may come in handy this morning. <laughs> All right. Um, my message today is get real. You can do it because I blew it. So I'm going to tell you some stories about me and uh, how I made some mistakes. Hey, first of all, I just want to tell you thank you. Thank you for um, letting me trip over things. Uh, Thank you for giving our family um, a new family. We came here. It was July of 2018. Our son came home from ministry school and said to us, oh, Dad, you've got to come to the church. You, gotta, uh, you know, we already had a church, and we were, we were you know, pretty, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're there, you know. They're family to us, too. And, uh, you know, he was beckoning us, beckoning us. Okay, we'll come. It didn't take more than one service. We're like, you know what? It's about the same distance. These people are in York County. We live in York County for 25 years. Uh, we've been here. So, I mean, it was like family. So, you guys are like family. So, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for giving us a chance to serve you. Uh, oh, and by the way, because Bennett invited us, I just want you to know that if you have any upset stuff with us, it's all his fault. So, just, yeah. Okay. <clears throat> um, I also want to thank you for allowing us to serve, as serve as elders, uh, serve as leading the prayer team. Um, we love it. It's like fun to us. So, um, we really, really enjoy serving you. And, uh, um, you know what? It's, it's pretty cool. Uh, yeah. And, uh, the folks, the elders, um, you know, Keith and John and Julie and, and, uh, the staff, Steve, Chris, all those folks, um, Nathan and Adrian, Carrie and Philip, it's, it's, it is a joy. Um, the meetings aren't a joy, but I mean, it's a joy hanging out with these people. Uh, so yeah. So yeah, and thanks for letting me serve you this morning. Um, it's been a while. All right. So what I want to do this morning is I want to talk to you about three stories of times in my life where I wasn't my best. And I figure this, if I can open up the windows of my life, it might turn into a mirror of yours. We might see in ourselves what somebody else went through, okay? And that might minister to you. So um, if that happens, my prayers will be answered. Yay! Um, And I hope that, um, you see, it says in the Bible, I think it's in Colossians, it says that um, he holds all things together, He may have to work a little harder this morning on me because I may fall apart. So, Tom, are you working on that? Good. Thank you. Thank you, brother. All right. So, um, 
Let me pray right now, and uh, then we'll get into some scripture, and then I have a fun thing for you to do. Father God, we just come to you right now, and Father, I pray that you uh, just let, the, let, let, let our guards down. Let our guards down, Holy Spirit, and that you would come in, and that you would just come in our doors, and you would minister to us in ways that maybe we aren't looking at all the time, or maybe in ways we like to cover up. We come in here on these Sunday mornings, and we put on our best. We put on our Sunday best, and Lord, uh, I think you speak to us most when we find ourselves at our worst. So Father, I pray that you minister to hearts today. You minister to hearts today, on the other hand, I ask in the name of Jesus that you empower us in a way we didn't have before we walked in these doors. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, uh, those of you who have a Bible, um, I do, I'm really good at electronic Bibles. I'm really cool with that. Other people in the staff, they're like, oh, I got my paper Bible, and they always stress to you, I got my paper Bible. Well, me, my eyes, my eyes really aren't that great with paper books anymore, although today it's really good that I get to see these in big letters, so it's really good. Um, so I really like my electronic Bible. So all of you people using electronics, like with your phone or maybe you got an, a tablet of some sort, I'm on your side, okay? So if anybody says something about the paper Bible, just not, you just got to have a paper Bible, all right? All right, so uh, look up uh, feast, first feast, First Peter, chapter one, verses three through nine. Okay, First Peter, chapter one, verses three through nine. Okay, yeah, just go, just go all the way to Revelation. So you're going to go all the way to the right in your Bible, and then go back a few pages. You'll find First Peter, Revelations, and back up. First Peter's right in there. And I'll pause for well, a little bit. Let you find it. It's pretty easy to go. Bible. Uh, let's see here. First Peter, chapter three or chapter one, verse three. Okay, good. We're there. All right, got enough time. All right, First Peter, chapter one, verses three through nine. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to His great mercy. He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice. Though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. So that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you're crazy about him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy 
that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your soul. I want to emphasize three phrases. No, I'm not going to be preaching from those verses, but I want to emphasize three things. From verse 3, it says, we read, according to his great mercy. When I tell you these stories this morning, <laughs> the only reason why I can stand here today and look at you is because of his great mercy. Mercy, on, uh, mercy is us not receiving what we justly deserve. You'll notice how, unless he dispenses mercy, we don't get anything. We don't get anything. So I want you to see mercy is a door. Mercy is a door. It's a door that opens up everything in your life. You'd be dead if it wasn't for mercy. I want to emphasize from verse 7. We read, the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold with that perishes, though it is tested by fire. When I tell you these stories today, I want you to see how my faith has been tested. In the book of Hebrews, it says, being, faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Martin Luther said, Faith is the arm that reaches out for what we hope for. So I hope that I can give you some hope to reach out for, and you'll go by faith. You see, faith is a tool. Mercy is a door that opens up things for you. Faith is a tool that you take a hold of what God is giving you. Last verse or last section of those verses is in verse 8. Though you have not seen him, you love him. When I tell you these stories, I hope you see that even though I haven't seen God, I'm absolutely crazy about him. And people who know me know I can be a little crazy. You'll also notice that even though he loves you too, I am his favorite. <laughs> He's real. So, let me tell you a story. <sighs> well, no, before I tell you the story, I'm going to teach you to do something. Yeah, I saw that. Thank you. Um, yeah, we've, we've had our moment. Um, what I want to do is, I used to do youth ministry, okay? So what I want to do is, I'm going to have some fun right now. I'm going to say three times in this message, don't do that, okay? So what I want you to do, now hear me out before you do it, um, is, is um, I want you to tell the person on your right and on your left, don't do that. But you can't do that unless you sync with that person. Because if you turn to your right and you tell the person don't do that, you're just going to be looking at the back of their head. Okay? And if I tell you to do the same thing to the left, it's, it's the back of your head. And, and, and the people over here, when I tell them to say, tell the person on your right not to do that, they're going to be looking at a wall. And same thing over here. But you know what? We're just going to work that out. Okay? So you're going to have to just tell the person to the right and to your left, don't do that. No, so... 
I want you to right now give it a practice. So tell the person right in your left, don't do that. Get in sync. You've got like 10 seconds. Oh, good grief, good grief. Yeah, yeah, let's, uh, let's, let's use a little volume here. Come on, tell that person, don't do that. There you go, all right, all right. There you go. All right. All right. So, my first story, I was a liar. <laughs> and the first phrase after I say, I was a liar. I went to Bible college in Canada. That's not the lie. <laughs> okay. I really treasured my relationships with people, and I was, um, I was in leadership there. I was on the dean's list. I was vice president of student council. I worked with mission groups. Um, did a lot of stuff up there. And uh, I had a lot of relationships I really treasured. And one of them was the director of recruitment. Uh, he had actually talked to me long before I even thought of going to school. Actually, he was speaking to me the week that I met Jesus. Um, kind of known about Jesus beforehand, but nobody really confronted me with his claims. And uh, my friend had met me and talked to me, and I was like, you know what, I think I'm going to go to school someday. So I got to know him, and he was just a phenomenal guy. Went through all my four years of school, had a lot of friends there, married one of them, which was really awesome. Um, yes, yes. Um, and uh, went through all school and everything, and uh, the summer after my my. Uh, second year, third year, and after graduation, I went and worked with a Salvation Army inner city kids camp. Don't Google this. But it's right on the west shore of Seneca Lake. And a couple of heads just went down. I see you looking. Anyways, on the west shore of Seneca Lake, there's like a little point that kind of goes out, and it points east. And right at the end, right at the end of that point is called Long Point Camp, and it's with the Salvation Army kids. And uh, several weeks of the summer, they would go and they would get kids out of Syracuse, Albany, and Buffalo. I mean, the hard kids had a Rambo knife pulled on me. It was, it was a pretty phenomenal time. But let me tell you, you when you minister in issues, situations like that, it is a mission field. And what I would do is I would tell people stories back at college all about the wild and wonderful things that God did and those hard kids week after week after week. And a lot of those students said, you know what, Lou, I'm going, to, I'm going to camp with you this year. And it was really awesome. And uh, my friend, uh, the recruiting director, <clears throat> was coming uh, around our area. It was in my senior year. And he was going to come on. He was going to bring his group. There was a bunch of singing people. And they were visiting a lot of churches. And they notified me and said, hey, listen, we're coming on such and such a time. Can you set up a time where we can send our our uh, students to go into some of the cabins and be able to do devotions and kind of pray with the kids and pray with the counselors. And I said, sure, sure, sure. And I wrote down all their names and I prayed about it and I put certain names with certain cabins so that they would know where they were going. And then I did the stupidest thing ever. Not yet. Not yet. You're almost there though. Thanks, Caleb. Keeping me on, keeping me on track. Um, anyways, I went and had this whole list of people who was assigned to what. So then 
my friend comes over to the office where I was working, and he, and he said, hey, listen, I need to know where everybody goes. So I said, sure. So then he brought some of the students in. They're all in my office. And I acted like I was receiving direction at that moment. Uh, you're supposed to go to this cabin, and uh, you're supposed to go to this cabin. That was the stupidest thing I ever did. I was a fake. I was a liar. I was a charlatan. And made it really hard because, you know what, I really believed in that stuff. But I did that. And not really because I wanted other people to think I'm great. I think there was a part of that in there. But I think it really was I wanted to have that gift. And it was just stupid. Are you ready? Let's say they're different people. Tell them, don't do that. Don't do that. No, don't do that. Don't, don't ever do that. No, don't do that. But I, you know, God's been merciful to me. And um, what I did was I hung out some really good leaders, uh, some people that uh, some of you know in here, um, uh, Pastor Larry and Debbie Titus, which uh, Tom and Cindy has worked with, and probably some other people know of. Um, I worked with uh, um, Ben and Polly Buchanan, who are the pastors of Family Worship Center, a four-square church here in town. Um, I worked with um, Dee and Jack Cashman, um, and Charles and Ann Stock. Hi, Charles. Um, in case he sees this. Um, and I did some things as I watched them, and I listened, and I asked questions, and I watched them, and I listened, and I asked questions. And I watched them, and I listened, and I asked questions. And what happened was a very interesting thing. I'll back up, but I'll go forward. When we, lived, we moved from Maine to Carlisle, which my next story is going to be in that, um, <clears throat> Angela got a job as working as a bank teller. She eventually moved up to an assistant manager. We always say that she's a manager because she trained the manager. So I would say that she's bank manager, and it really was true. Um, but every day she had to go in, she had to count money. Thousands and thousands of dollars. All the ones, all the two, twos, yeah, right. Uh, all the fives, the tens, the, 50, the 50s, uh, the hundreds, all those things. Okay, thousands of dollars went through her hands every day. And she would tell me, you know, oh, you, you count them one, two, three, four, and then just multiply the number. Okay. But it wasn't so that she had good math skills. The reason why she did that every day is because they were teaching them to recognize the counterfeit. So that when she's counting that money, she knew the real had a feel. But the fake, the counterfeit, also had a feel. And the reason why I did what I did is because I was more, I was more familiar with the counterfeit than I was the real. And when I started hanging out with those people and listening and watching and asking questions and listening and watching and asking questions and doing all that, I was getting a sensation of what was real. I still mess up. I still miss it sometimes. But you know what? I can feel the real. 
And you know, when you get intimate with the Lord, he can give you those times where you say, you know what, Lord, I'm going to step out. I, I'm getting a picture. I'm going to step on and talk to somebody. And eventually, you'll get the feel of the real. Second story. Okay, so the first one was, I was a liar. No, notice I say it in the past tense. Yeah, I was. Second story. Job chapter 1, verse 22. I'll read it. It's okay. You know, you can write it down. I'll read it, but it's all right. The story of Job is basically this. I mean, the first chapter is really easy to, to learn. Job had like 500 oxen. He had 500 500 oxen, he had 500 donkeys. Um, he had 10 kids. He had um, seven boys, three girls. Um, he had lots of servants. And one day, servants came to him over and over. First, hey, these people came in and they took all the oxen. These people came in, they took all the donkeys. These people came in, they took all the sheep. These people came in, they took all the camels. I mean, the guy had like, I don't know, I'm probably getting the math messed up, but he had like 10,000 sheep and camels. Dude, like, really? I mean, that's just a, a lot of hair. Um, and they came in, they said, listen, you've lost it all. And then they came in with this one, by the way. Your oldest son was having a party. They're all, all the kids were drinking wine and they were in a house, they're having a good time and the house fell in and they're all dead. So one day, Job lost everything. And the Bible says in chapter one of Job, verse 22, and in all this, God, Job did not sin or charge, basically blame God with wrong. Okay? Okay. I already told you in college I was, I, I had some status, okay? Hey, I had some status. All right? And at the end of my college time, I had some options. I had talked with a lot of the district superintendents of our um, denomination and I knew of different positions that were open. All of my friends were getting positions. They were going in their different direction. And I was super excited for myself and for them. And then it came that, you know, I had the option of going back with the camp and the, and the, the, the um, officer uh, had offered me a, a really good amount of money for that last summer. And I went, you know what? I can always get in. I can always, churches are always open. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll just take this for a summer. It was really good because Ange came that summer. Angela came that summer. We were able to spend some really good quality time together. So it was really good. Yeah, it, was really, it, was, it was really good. But what happened was I got out of the rotation of my friends that they were in the rotation of getting churches. Because in the spring is when all the churches, all the pastors said, you know what, I'm sick of it. Uh, I'm sick of this place. I'm leaving. I'm going somewhere else. They don't say it that way, but... Anyways, um, so a lot of my friends got their churches that spring that when we were graduating. And uh, I didn't because I was like, I'm going back to the... I'm going back to camp. And... Uh, 
at first it was great, you know. And then it was like after camp was over, it's like, okay, so now what I'm going to do? And I called up all these district superintendents, and they're like, oh, man, I'm full. Ah, I don't have any openings. Ah, you know, hey, just give me a call in the spring. Okay. All right. So I waited the whole year. And I started calling people. As soon as January rolled around, I started calling them all. And then uh, my district superintendent from the area where the college was, uh, he and I made a connection. He's like, Lou, the only church I really have is this little one in Old Town, Maine. Tom, you ever heard of Old Town Canoes? All right. The church was across the road. Uh, You go across the road and then down a little valley And that's where they would test Old Town canoes. Old Town canoes are very high quality, really nice canoes. And that's where we had this church, was in Old Town, Maine. Little tiny place, okay? And a little tiny church. Well, you know what? That was a really hard year. There was nobody really above 75 in the church. Or nobody really below 75, I should make that clear. It was really hard. And it was cold. And I'm from upstate New York, and my wife is from Canada. It still was cold. And we learned a lot of stuff. But I was always, over time, I was, after we had left that church, we moved to Carlisle, and I went from job to job to job. And I came to the conclusion, you know what, if I had just... If I had just jumped on board like everybody else was and took a church while I was in the spring of my senior year, if I had just done that, and, 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 and if I didn't take that little thing up there in Maine, I probably would have been better off. I, I had invitations for Topeka, Kansas. I flew out to Grand Rapids, Michigan. I did all this. But I chose that little thing. It's great because a lady really got healed there. I mean, really got healed. Like 15 years arthritis, she gets healed. I mean, we had the largest church service in the history of the church. It was really cool, some really good things, but it was really hard there. And, you know, over time, I really got upset, and I, I, I was like, you know, and I was like, oh, God led me. God, why did you lead me to do this? Why did you lead me to go to camp? Why did you lead me to go to this church? Why did you do, why did you, why did you? And you know what? I, I unconsciously blamed God for my whole life situation. It was dumb, dumb, diddy, dumb, diddy, dumb, dumb, dumb. I mean, it was stupid. But that's the way it is Usually. We blame God and we don't even know we're blaming God. We don't. And I lived for years. And my wife watched it. I was blaming God for this and that and everything. Now on the outside, oh, bless God and everything. But on the inside, God, you know, if you didn't do this, you'd get into this. But you know what? There's something you have to tell your neighbor. Because I had to tell myself. Don't do that. Go ahead, tell your neighbor. Go ahead, don't tell your neighbor. Don't do that. Yeah. There was a lesson. There was a lesson I learned, and I'll give them, probably they've never had this title before, 
But um, I'll, I'll tell you something. I learned a great lesson from the great prophet Led Zeppelin. <laughs> nobody's fault but mine. It's nobody's fault but mine. I chose not to get in the rotation that spring. I chose to take that church. I chose to do this. I chose to do that. Listen, folks, if you get into a place and you're like getting PO'd at whatever going on and you find out, hey, um, I'm blaming God, if you just, for some reason, you get that revelation, don't do that. Just get out. Start thanking God for what you have. And you know, when I came to the conclusion that that's what I was actually doing and it took somebody looking at me going, Lou, you're blaming God. You're blaming God. And until I looked at myself in the mirror and said, you're blaming God, I was blaming God. Don't do that. Yeah, thank you. From the crowd. It was my fault. It wasn't God's fault. And the one who reminds me over and over is the one that lives in the house with me that sits over there. <clears throat> I'll just be really clear with you. Don't blame the dealer for the hand of cards you've been dealt. Play the hand. Learn from it. Move on. I tell people, listen, you know, they go from church to church to church, you know, and then they get all cranky about this, that, and the other thing at their church, and I say, hey, listen, if you don't like it in the casino, take your chips to the window, cash them in, and go to another casino. You know, you got to come to the point where you're not mad at somebody else. You got to take responsibility for yourself. This is turning out to be better than I thought it was. This is pretty good. Okay, third story. Okay, so the first one, I lied. And I learned, don't do that. Second one, I blamed God. Don't do that. Third story is, I lived without faith. Now, this is kind of a fun story. Um, actually, it probably is the most fun out of all three. It was June 1997, and we attended Family Worship Center, which is a four-square gospel church, which is right on the other side of the parking lot of Pathway Community Church. Anyone ever go to Pathway Community Church in West York? Do I see any hands? Yeah, yeah, there's a bunch of you. You know that little church that's on the other side of the parking lot over there? Well, that's the church that Angela and I went. Are the hunters here? Is Tiffany here? Okay, anyways, um, I don't, you could be looking at me, it's okay, I don't have my glasses on, it's all right. So anyways, she grew up in that church, and uh, we're going to that church for a while, we're, we're living in Carlisle, we're traveling down to York, going back and forth every week, and uh, they had this special speaker, and they called him Apostle Chuck. Well, Apostle Chuck was really good, I mean, his teaching was phenomenal. And he flowed prophetically. It's true. He was legit. He was really legit. And uh, one Sunday morning, we're there, and he's going, he's doing the teaching, and I'm like, hey, this guy isn't bad at all. He's really good. And then um, afterwards, he starts calling people up and calling people out 
and he starts pointing at people. And he's saying, you know, this is what the Lord said, this is what the Lord said. I'm, I'm like, I'm like doing what I said, you know, before I'm watching, I'm listening, kind of asking questions without talking to him. And uh, he starts doing all this. And all of a sudden he looks over and he goes, hey, you. And he looks over at the pastor and says, who's that guy? And I'm like, oh, crap, he's pointing at me. Um, and I'm wearing a blue shirt. Interesting. Um, he says, the pastor says, oh, that's Lou. He goes, Lou in blue. <clears throat> and calls Angela and I up. Mm. This is harder than I think. And he says to us, he says, let me tell you what's going to happen. He says, I see kids. I see a lot of kids. Angela's getting nervous. <laughs> and I remember he leans forward and he looks over at her and he says, oh, three or four. Oh, okay. And uh, then he also says this. I see a lot of kids, though. I see a lot of kids. And he says, and he points at me and I said, he says, I see you standing on a field and you're surrounded with, boy, with kids. Well, 13 years later, I am coaching flag football and I surround myself with the kids and I go around in the circle and I ask them, okay, what'd you learn today? What'd you learn today? What'd you learn today? About halfway through that circle, I hear in my ears... <laughs> Apostle Chuck, you're going to be standing in a field. It's over at Kowsler Park, folks. This is at Kowsler Park, right over in West York. <clears throat> he says, I see you standing in the field. You're surrounded by kids. So I knew, whoa. Not at that time that he spoke it, but I knew then. This guy's like right on, man. He's like right on. <clears throat> so anyways, uh, when it comes to the kid thing, we didn't know that him talking about kids and all, we didn't know. We learned uh, very soon after that, but Bennett was on his way. So he was legit. And he said, hey, can you guys come back tonight? So we said, yeah, we'll, we'll be back tonight. I mean, when a guy, like, calls you out, you know, and he's like, he kind of stirs something in you, you're like, yeah, yeah, I'll be back, I'll be back. So we came back. And then he called us up again. Oh, actually, I remember. He started the service and he goes, I'm going to start out where I finished. He goes, that couple that I, called, I had to go get up at the end of the service, come back up here. And we got up and he was telling the pastor, saying, hey, listen, these folks have a call of ministry on their life. They have a prophetic call. Tool them. Give them books. Tell them all about so-and-so, whatever. And so we did. And they, they give us these books. And he's prophesying over us about uh, prophetic ministry and, 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 and that we're going to be teaching people and all this other stuff, which, hello, you know, we're doing. So um, he then says to me, God's going to bless you. God's going to bless you financially. He's going to bless you so much. <laughs> He's going to bless you so much, the roof's going to blow off. You know what? You really like to hear that kind of stuff. 
And I know, listen, my religious mind went, yeah, right. Are you ready to tell your neighbor? Don't do that. Don't do that. When God wants to bless you, when he puts a carrot out in front, don't be a jackass. When he puts something out in front of you, <laughs> it's, it's not just for you. And for years, for years, I didn't go after it. And it was because it was money. And I'm a little bit more religious than that, right? Just don't do that. Deuteronomy 29, 29 says, secret things belong to the Lord, but the revealed things belong to us and our children forever. What if God was putting that out in front of me and said, go for it, pal. Go for it. Here it is 25 years later, maybe 26 years later, and I didn't put my whole energies into it. Now, I have to say, there has been some years that I've, like, abandoned and gone for it. You know, been, you know, top two people in the country selling a product. I was top 20 the first year I was in it. Um, uh, I held uh, the largest account in, in the, the local company dealership. It was, it was really cool. But what's God revealing to you? What's he putting out that is a carrot to you? What does he put in your heart? What does he put out as a dream? And are you going after it? Are you walking by faith? Are you living for it? Are you going for it, believing that God has put that in your heart? You don't need some guy standing up in front of you and saying, oh, the roof's going to blow up. You don't need that. All you need to do is recognize that he puts that dream, that goal, in your heart. Pastor Nathan always talks about you going after your dream. We are responsible to do that. Believe that God gave it to you and you go after it. Okay, I'm done telling my stories. And you know, I don't know why you're here. I really don't. I told the elder team when I came on, <clears throat> I said to them, you know what, I really don't know how we got here, but we're here. I don't know what brought you in the door. It certainly wasn't so you'd see some guy with crazy hair <clears throat> on his birthday. But I don't know why you're here. Maybe today, you were supposed to connect with a family and become a part of that family. Maybe you were supposed to come and connect with the Lord and be a part of him. Maybe you have a need and you were sitting at home and you're going, you know what? I really need X. And you know, I've heard about that church up there on the hill. 
And I heard they pray for people. Maybe it's a physical problem you have in your body. Maybe it's you're all messed up inside your heart and in your mind and you just need some clarity. Maybe you need to start today a relationship with Jesus Christ. He says, I stand at the door and knock. Revelation 3.20, you can look it up. I stand at the door and I knock. And anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. Yeah, you can start a relationship with somebody else in this room. Go down to Rudders. Either way, you'll get there. Get some food. Come back here. We got 70 acres out here. Put down a blanket. Have a picnic. But Jesus said, I'll come and eat with you and you with me. You can start today a relationship with Jesus Christ. Oh, Lou, I want to clean myself up. I want to get, I want to get right. I want to, I'm going to be a church person. I've got... <laughs> He took care of it all, okay? He, he it, you know, it, it, put it on him. Put it on him. He'll take care of it. Don't worry about it. Yeah. So what I'd like to do today, right now, and I'm really happy to do this, is I'd like to introduce to you, or I would like to invite, excuse me, I would like to invite the new prayer team to come forward. Come on, come on, get up here. And I just want to encourage you to come and pray with somebody. You see, the reason why Angela and I chose to coach this team is because there's one verse in the Bible, and it says, if any person where two or more are gathered, I'm there in their midst, and if they would come and to agree, touching anything, whatever they ask, I'll do it. Now, you know what? These folks came forward. Why did they come forward? Because they're like, I believe that I can help meet a need to somebody's life. I can pray for them. If you come up and you walk forward and you say, hey, pray for me, that's you saying, I need somebody to pray for me. That's interesting, isn't it? They're saying, I want to pray for somebody. And you, if you came forward, I need somebody to pray for me. That's the two or more. And if they, like, show some love to you and put their hand on your arm, they're touching you. If you tell them about an issue in your life, that's touching that situation. And you know what? When they pray for you, they're going to pray that you feel more love walking out those doors than you did when you walked in. And you may say, okay, well, you got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. You don't have enough people. Oh, yes, I do. I've got reserves. I don't want to make a big deal out of that, but what I would like you to do is I'd like you to... Uh, Make a decision today that you want to agree with somebody in prayer. And I have those reserves. Either A, they can come forward if it gets too full up this, or B, they'll turn around and say, Hi, I'm with the prayer team. <clears throat> Find somebody and have them pray for you. Okay? Because 
you don't want to end up a liar. You don't want to end up somebody blaming God. You don't want to end up walking out those doors and not living by faith. So, Father, I just ask in the name of Jesus, you prick some hearts, you talk to them, you just whisper in some ears that, Lord, they can respond to you, whether they respond to you up front in their seat, I don't care, but I'm asking for people to respond. And I pray, Father, you just show some love to some people today, and we show some love to some people today so that when they go home, they're better than when they walked in here. Thanks for checking out our Sermon of the Week. If you have questions or would like to get connected, download our app or visit us at providencecommunity.org.